0: Can you imagine your life where money is your friend, working with you to achieve all your dreams and desires? If you struggle seeing money as your friend, then join Kathy Cook-Noble, financial advisor and educator on understanding how your money can work for you. It is possible. Now, here is Financially Speaking with Kathy Cook-Noble.
1: Good afternoon. Oh, I'm so excited today. We're talking about one of my favorite topics. And it's finance, big surprise there. Welcome to Financially Speaking on the Inspired Choices Network. I am your host, Kathy Cook Noble. And we are talking tonight, again, we're talking about finance. I know that's no surprise, but we're talking about finance and young people. And that is super exciting because when we start talking tonight, you're going to be, you're going to think I do magic and I really, really don't. It's just simple math. But I always get so excited about it because the young investors have all this fantastic commodity on their their side which we we like to call time and those young people that have all this time on their side for investing that's where the magic can happen and that's what we're going to talk about tonight we're going to talk about what do they need to watch out for how much should they risk when should they start investing and saving their money and how do they start like what do you do to even get going and what's the potential for them uh, once they get started and how that smart investing is going to have an impact on their life. So we're going to talk about that tonight. For those of you joining us for the first time, uh, I am Kathy Cook-Noble, and this is our show that we do every Monday, and we take the complication that people think of finance or the fear of finance. We make it nice and easy, nice and mm-hmm. simple, so that everybody can comfortably understand their stuff and not feel panic stress when they're thinking about finance because that's the really the reality of it and that's what we do here on the Inspired Choices Network is we break down the, the hard stuff and we make it easy to understand and make it easy to apply to your life so that's that's it in a nutshell so it's easy right that's what we're gonna do uh, during the day I am a licensed financial advisor as well as a, have a bookkeeping company and I have some great wonderful talented people that work with me in in that world and we make it simple for our corporate clients, we make it simple for our individual clients, for our family clients, and for our young investor clients. So, tonight, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the young people. What do I mean by young people? I mean people who are just getting out of school, who are um just starting work for the first time, who are in university or college, who finish university or college. Generally, people under the age of 30. We're going to call those the young people for tonight. Not, even though they're your, you might be young at heart, tonight I'm dealing strictly with the time, the essence of time. So when I say time, I'm, I'm talking about you have 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of investing left. So if you're 25 years old, you're going to be investing your money for 40 or 50 years, but you're going to need money for another 70 or 80 years. So that's what you have to think of. and You put it in a context like that. That's when people start to think, wow, that long, eh? And th- how much am I going to need? So what's going to happen if you're 70 years old or 65 years old and you go to retire? Well, you got to make sure you have some money for retirement because for those of you that are in Canada and the U.S., uh, we all know that pensions and relying on the government is not the answer to uh, a healthy, wealthy retirement. And that's just the reality of it. Pensions have have diminished in the last 10 years. You don't see the big corporate pensions, the even government pensions have been scaled back and redesigned for new entry levels. There's a lot of changes that have been happening and we have to make sure that we individually have our finances under control. And what does that mean have our finances under control? That means that the same stuff that you've probably always heard and you're going to roll your eyes when I say it because you're going to be like, Yep, heard that many times, but it's living within your means and it's paying yourself first. So what do I mean living within your means? I mean, there are people out there and we, we can all think of them. There's celebrities out there that have had bankruptcies and you're thinking how on earth is somebody who's making multiple millions of dollars a year as a celebrity, how are they bankrupt? Well, what happens is you don't live within your means. So just because you you make a million dollars a year doesn't mean you have a lot of money that's saved up. The reality of it is the more people make, the more they tend to spend. And what you really want to do is you want to make sure the more you make, the more you keep. And whatever you make, it's all about how much you keep. So tonight when we're talking about the young people... The real difference is between somebody who's 25 and somebody who's, say, 55 or 40 or 50, whatever number, but somebody over 25, the real difference is how much time you have to make your money work for you. And that's really what investing is all about. It's how much time do you have to make your money work, to make your money grow? How much can it grow? How fast can it grow? Uh, how often can it double? So I'm going to talk to you tonight about this cool little trick that, and I say trick because it's it's math. It's not really a trick, but it's pretty magical. Somebody named Albert Einstein that you all might have heard of came up with this uh, compound interest that uh, he thought was the uh, the eighth wonder of the world. And when you see it at work, it really is because it's amazing and it's so very cool to see how fast your money can change and double for you. So we are going to talk about something called the Rule of 72 And we're going to talk about how that can work for you. So just because tonight we're talking to you young investors and the young people on, you know, they're finishing school, they're just getting going on their work and we're going to make them wealthy and healthy and happy for their retirement. It's also for people who are over age 25 because everything I'm talking about, when I say the 25 year old now has 45, 40 years of investing and compounding and growth. Well, if you're 30, then that means you have 35 years until you're 65. And if you're 45, you have you still have 20 years of compounding and growth. And if you're 45, you're probably making more money than when you're 25, which means you can put more money away. So all the same principles are going to apply to people of all ages tonight, but I'm really going to focus on the young investor. And let's talk about how do you get them involved? So we think because uh, we're adults, And we're working full time and we're making money and that we know, we should know that we need to save for our future. Sometimes we don't always. And sometimes we have debt that we have to, you know, hanging around that we gotta look after. And sometimes we have kids that we gotta put through school. And there's a lot of different pieces of the puzzle. I get that. But for the most part, we know that we should put money aside. But when did we know? How did we know? Who told us? And how much were they told to, how much were we told to put aside? So, of course, if you come to see me, a financial advisor, yep, I'm gonna put you, go through this, I'm gonna, we're gonna work out a plan, we're gonna work out all those magic numbers for you. But why would you come to see me? How would you know to do that? Did somebody tell you? Or did you think about it all by yourself? Or did you have this windfall of money? Or you started making all this money and you realized you don't know what to do with it and you started seeking somebody out? But the reality of it is, we really, to make the kids really successful, we really want to get them at a young age. And, How do we talk to our kids about money? Well, we talk to kids about everything else, don't we? There's all these programs on how to talk to your kids about drugs and how to talk to your kids about not getting in cars with strangers and taking candy from strangers and how to look both ways when they cross the street and the foods that they need to eat and doing their homework. We talk to kids about everything, but when you think about it, what kind of conversations are we having about money? They might hear their parents talking about money. They might hear their parents complaining about money. They might hear their parents say to them when they ask for something, the the, uh, old cliches like, well, you know, money doesn't grow on trees and um, what do you think I'm made of money and all those kind of cliches that we remember hearing. But what's the reality of our conversations with kids about money? So it's not just about, hey, how much are we going to invest and how much are we going to make? It's also about what kind of relationship are we helping our children build with money? Because money is a relationship with between you and between the money. And here's a little secret I'm going to let you in on. I deal with money. That's my job. I deal with money every day. That's my job. And I love it. It's great. It's a lot of fun and it's a lot of numbers and I enjoy it thoroughly. But here's the secret. Money is just money. It has absolutely zero feelings about you. It doesn't it doesn't worry at night about whether or not you're happy. It doesn't get excited if, you, if it, there's enough money there for you to take a vacation. It doesn't get upset if you don't spend it. It doesn't get upset if you do spend it. Money has absolutely zero emotional attachment to you or to me. And we, on the other hand, have this unbelievably overwhelming attachment to money in a lot of cases. And we have a, some, sometimes, a lot, some of us, have a very unhealthy attachment to money. But the reality is money's just money. That's it. It's just money. And money has value because the government says it has value, and that's our exchange of currency. So that's just how it is. So when you start to think, well, yeah, okay, money's just money. Great, no problem. But I need it to pay my bills. I need it to go on vacation. Yep, I get that. But we're starting our conversation with our kids from what place? Are we starting a conversation with our kids of stress and worry and, oh, I have to have a million dollars to retire and I'm never going to have it and, oh, I have, I need this money to pay this bill and I need this. What conversation are we having with our children? What conversation are our kids hearing? Because sometimes we might not be talking to our kids and they just might overhear us. But to really start a really solid relationship with money, we want kids to start when they're really, really young. So if we can start with them when they're six or seven or eight years old and start to form a very healthy relationship with money, that in my mind is the ideal situation. So how do we do that? Well, if you have a six-year-old, are you going to sit down and talk to him about a mortgage and property taxes and what all that income tax means? Of course not. You're going to sit and talk to him about adding and subtracting and how if he really wants to go to the store and buy that really super cool game or the great pair of shoes, how can he go about getting it? And what can you do to help him? So we're going to focus on what kids like and what kids understand. That's the way we're going to start talking to them about money. We're not going to get into what a stock is or a bond is or any of those kind of investment terms. We're going to talk to kids about what they understand. Kids understand that there's something in the store and they want to buy it. Kids also understand that there's food in a restaurant that they want to eat. Kids also understand that at Christmas time and birthday times, they like to get presents and they get invited to go to parties and they want to take a present. Kids understand that. What kids may not understand is what magic happens to make the products appear, to make the food happen, to make the birthday gifts show up, to make that candy bar uh, be allowed to leave the store legally. So those are the things that we want to, talk to kids about stuff that they understand and then as they get older and we're now talking about kids that are 14, 15 years old and we're talking to them about going off to school they might know I want to go to college or university but they also know it's not free so how am I going to get there? So we're going to talk to them about that and we're going to explain to them you know this is how tuition works and this is what you do in exchange to pay to go to the school they let you come to class and they let you write tests and exams. And at the end of the day, your three or four years, whatever the case is, you'll have a college diploma or a university degree. And you'll have money that you have to pay if you borrowed it. Or if you got other kinds of money like grants or scholarships where you don't have to pay it back, you just get it for free. These are all things that we want to talk to our kids about before they start school. We want to talk to them about that when they're maybe 12, 13, 14 years old. So every single child at every single stage in age has a type of money conversation that we can have and that's what we want to really focus on tonight and that takes all of us into account too so if if we're an adult let's say we're 20 30 years old and we don't understand certain concepts or certain things about money like maybe we don't understand how to open up a bank account you'd be amazed at how many people don't know how to write a check because how many people write checks anymore? It's so not common. It's more common to do an e-transfer or pay with your credit card or maybe maybe Bitcoin. Who knows, right? All these new things that are coming up. But for sure, checks, check writing is a lost art. So that's what our show is about tonight. And I'm I'm always so excited when I get to talk to young investors because they have so much energy and they have so much time ahead of them to make things work. And we can get them started on the right track right out of the schooling or right off of right through their first job or while they're in school getting ready for schooling. It's so exciting because then they can get excited and see how their money grows. So that's what our show is about tonight. I hope you're as excited as I am. We're going to talk about our youth and how to make them wealthy. And, and truthfully, when we get talking about that, there's so much more spin off from just making them wealthy. There's a lot to be affected by our own community and our own families and we'll talk about that too so we're going to take our first break tonight and when you come back or when we come back i'll come back too we will talk about our youth you are listening to financially speaking with myself kathy cook noble on the inspired choices network when we return we're going to continue to talk about youth and money we'll be right back
0: It is possible. Listen for Financially Speaking Radio Show every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspire Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at Network.com. This is Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook Noble. To participate in the program, call in the U.S. 815 880 8255, Canada 613 800 8736 or Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email by sending to Kathy at BookkeepPlus.ca. Now back to the program.
1: Welcome back, everyone. I am Kathy Cook Global on the Inspired Choices Network, and you are listening to Financially Speaking. Today, our show topic is all about the youth and the young investor. And before we went to break, we were talking about how money doesn't love us, but yet we seem to put a lot of love into money. And we're going to start with a healthy relationship with money. And we're going to give it the love that it deserves, which is nothing. We're just going to let money know that money is money. And we're going to use it and spend it and save it and invest it and not have bad feelings about it or stressful feelings about it and we are not going to put all this extra energy into money because money doesn't love us back. Now, why do we want money? This is one of the things we talk about money mindset. Um, my 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 area is really more about how to grow the money and, and make the money and invest the money and how to what to do with the money. There is a lot of other people out there who are really really good at the money mindset. Um, Christina's are from Inspired Choices Network. She's a very good. Uh, money mindset and mindset person in general. She talks about how the world works and energy in the world and, and it's no different with money. So that's the first area that we want to really tackle is your money mindset. And then we're going to look at money and we're going to say, okay, what kind of relationship do we have with it? What do we have to change with our relationship? And People have. Everybody has a different relationship because everybody has a different amount of money, and everybody has a different feeling about how much money they should have. Some people feel guilty if they have too much money. Um, why do they feel guilty? Because uh, there's all kinds of different reasons, but a lot of it is because uh, they've been told since they were young ages. You know, money is the root of all evil, and people with a lot of money had to cheat, lie, and steal to get it, and uh, that's just another mindset of money. The reality of it is. We can do a lot of great things with money. And when you think about how churches and, and hospitals and, and sanctuaries for, um, refugees or for battered women or abused children, all those charitable organizations get their money from people giving. And some of it is anonymous, some of it is not. But the truth is, if it wasn't for people who had money and gave money, A lot of these organizations and places wouldn't exist. So money is not evil. Money is nothing. Money is just paper and coin. And that's it. And what we do with it is what makes it great and wonderful. Or what we do with it makes it bad or evil, if you want. But there's people that have a lot of money that do a lot of great things. And a lot of people that have a lot of money you don't even know have a lot of money. And there's a lot of people out there who you think have a lot of money, don't have a lot of money. There's a lot of people that... For sure, there's people out there that have money and don't do great things with it. There's always the different variety of types of people. But what we're going to teach our kids is we're going to start from a young age and we're going to talk to them about their relationship with money. And the more they have, the more good they can do in this world. Now, think of this at a whole macro level. If everybody had a great relationship with money and we taught our young people to have a great relationship with money and our young people decided... That money's just money and they're just going to go out and make a whole whack of it and, and do great things with it. What would that do to our entire world? What would that do to our communities? What would that do to, to families who are in need of help? What would that do to people who have any sort of, uh, impairment or disability that they need help with? What would that do to the world we live in? And I know sometimes, you know, People think that I'm a little bit out there when I, when I talk about the whole macro effect of money. But the truth is, if we had a good relationship, a great relationship with money, all of us, and so did our kids, then that would change the world. Because we would not be lying and cheating and stealing to get more money than somebody else. We wouldn't be competing with our neighbor because they got a bigger or newer car, or their house got a bigger or newer cool or bigger or newer anything, or they bought a cottage or they, they took more trips than us, we wouldn't be competing with people because everybody would have a good, comfortable relationship. That would help us with our own mental health and that would help us with helping everybody else. So that is the overseeing body that I think of in my mind when I think about money I think there's a lot of money out there. I know there's a lot of money out there. And there's a lot of money out there that's not earmarked to anybody. Nobody has any particular right over it. Nobody has any position that's better than somebody else where they're they're deserving of more. There's no such thing. There's a lot of money out there and you can go get it just as easily as anybody else could. And that's what I like to tell my kids. So for those of you that that know me or have been listening to the show, you probably have heard in the, the different conversations that I have four kids. And they're pretty awesome. And we talk about money. And we talk about it. I mean, we don't get into how much the property taxes are, the hydro. Well, unless, you know, they're doing laundry in the prime time, then we'll talk about that. But for the most part, we're talking about money in a very healthy way. And how to save and when to save. And why it's important to save. Because we know that not everybody is going to have a pension at the end of the, the, there's no pension at the end of the rainbow. And you want to make sure that you have control of your money because true freedom comes in not having somebody have financial control over you. So what I talk to the kids about is just start small and and start in a way that you understand. So like I mentioned before, kids understand wanting to buy stuff. Kids understand wanting to eat at different restaurants and when they get older kids understand that gas runs the car and that cars can't run without it. Kids also understand that if they want their own car then they're going to have to save up and have a plan on how to do it. The kids under, also understand, and mine are at the age where they're they're not they're not they're not babies anymore. They're all young adults, so they they understand what it's going to cost to have their own apartment. They also understand what it what it costs to have a dog and have a pet. So those are the things that you want to talk to them about. So start young. This is one of the things we want to do. Start young. Talk to them about money. Model responsible money habits for them. Give them an allowance when they're younger so that they can start being responsible. Let them have control of some money. Help them with spending and saving, how much you should be spending, how much you should be saving. Talk to them about the value of money and their values that they share personally or you share as a family. It helps kids if they have any attention problems where they can focus on laying it out or adding it up or figuring out how they're going to spend it. And here's the tough one for a lot of parents. Let them make mistakes. Let them make their own mistakes. Let them make them when they're young. I want them to make all the biggest mistakes financially when they're young because they have 40, 50, 60 years ahead of them to correct it. I don't want them making mistakes when they're 45, 50, 60 years old. I want them to make them when they're 15, 20, 25 years old, somewhere in that neighborhood. So let them make mistakes. And then... Don't be there to criticize, and I told you so, and finger-wagging at them. Be there and say, okay, what did you learn? What did you learn about this? What would you do differently? How can we move forward with it? That's what you want to do. Everybody makes mistakes. This Anybody out there, any of you that are thinking, nope, 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 yes, you do. Every single one of us makes mistakes. We've all made mistakes. I guarantee you we've all made mistakes. We've probably made one today. Who knows? We maybe ordered the wrong thing for lunch, took, forgot our lunch, or drank too much coffee. We all make mistakes. That's what happens. So, we don't beat ourselves up about it. Money is money. If the kids make a mistake with the money because they spent too much on a car stereo and they should have been saving it, well, guess what? They'll learn that. And what they'll learn from that is far more helpful than us telling them because they've experienced it. They feel it. They know it. They're like, yeah, I get it. So, that's what we want to do is let them make their own mistakes and then be there to help them and guide them, not scold them and I told you so. So, one of the my one of my favorite uh um if you're for those of you that are in the North America that have C N B C if you watch Fast Money, Josh Brown, he's on that or the halftime report. Um and he's one of my favorites. He is the CEO and founder of some a place called Ritzhold's wealth management in the United States. And he's very, very funny and I think very sharp. And he's got a lot of cool things about him. And one of the things is when he talks to the youth about investing money. And what he does, he there's a video I and mean, if you go on to CNBC and and search for Josh Brown, you'll see his video where he goes out in the street and he talks to people about money and compounding. And what he says is what is 6 plus 6 plus 6. And people are they're pretty good. They can usually do 6 plus 6 plus 6 and get to 18. And then he'll say, what's six times six times six? And you think, wow, six plus six is easy. Six times six times six is not so easy. But that's how he's starting to teach people about compounding. Because his whole exercise on going out and talking to people is to teach them how to compound. And compounding means you're adding more all the time. So if I invest a dollar today and I have a 10% rate of return, which is 10% interest, let's say. Then I'm going to have 10 percent of a dollar, so I'll have 10 cents, so I'll have a dollar10. Or if it's 100 dollars, I'll have 110. Or if I have a1,000 dollars, 10 percent is 10 percent. And then if I reinvest that dollar 10, I now have 10% 10 percent of a dollar10. And that is what compounding is. That means we're getting interest, on interest, on interest, on interest. Now, how often, if you do that, how much money would you make? And people don't realize that that is the magic of compounding that Einstein came up with. And he said that's the eighth wonder of the world because what happens is the magic of compounding is you're getting interest on interest on interest on interest. And you do that over 10, 15, 20 years. It'll be amazing how much that is and which I will share with you after our next break because I'm going to talk to you about one simple, easy way that you can figure out how much you should be making and how often your money should be doubling because I get asked that a lot well if I how much do I need to put in to make this amount of money or to have this amount of money when I retire and you can back engineer it and say you know what if you need x amount of money then we need to start doing these th- these you know three four five six things now but I'll tell you a quick and easy rule when we come back after a break because uh it's you'll love it I love it it's easy and it makes you feel like totally could do that. Absolutely, you can do that. So, tonight, that's what we're doing. We're talking to kids about money. We're talking about our youth and their money. We're going to take our next break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about something called the Rule of 72, and don't be scared just because it says rule on it, because uh that's one of these rules that Einstein came up with, so it's always kind of fun. So, you are listening to Financially Speaking with myself, Kathy Cook-Noble on the Inspired Choices Network, and tonight is all about the youth and starting early, investing for the long haul. When we come back, we will continue to talk about money and how to make it, because we have no feelings for it at all, and there's a lot of it out there. So when we come back, let's talk about the Rule of 72. We'll be right back.
0: Live a life you can afford and enjoy. It is possible. Listen for Financially Speaking Radio Show every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Money is complicated, right? Actually, no, it's not. This is Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook Noble. To participate in the program, call in the U.S. 815-880-8255, Canada 613-800-8736, or Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email by sending to Kathy at BookKeepPlus.ca. Now back to the program.
1: That before we went to break, I mentioned that I was going to teach you about the rule of 72. And that is one of the coolest and easiest ways for you, mom and dads, aunts and uncles, grandmas, and grandpas, um, to talk to your kids and to teach them because it's fun. And, and just as an aside, you're teaching them a little bit of math, but don't tell them that. Just tell them it's fun. So the rule of 72 for you, for your kids, for everybody, this is how it works. Take whatever your interest rate is and divide it into the number 72. So if it's 10%, 10% divided into 72 is 7.2 years. That's how long it takes for your money to double. If you're doing a 10% rate of return, then it'll take 7 years, 7.2 years, for your money to double. It's that simple. That's it. So if you're... Investing your money at 1%, how long is it going to take you for your money to double? 72 years. How many 72 years do you have to double your money at 1%? So I'm thinking not a lot. But if you are 20 years old and you're doing rough, say you're doing 10%, every 7.2 years your money's going to double. How many times do you think your money's going to double? Because remember, just because you're at age 65 and you're retiring, at age 65, you don't go in and take all your money out of the bank and start carrying it or take it out from your financial advisor or your investments or wherever it is and start carrying it around in your pocket. That's not what happens. What happens is you just start drawing on it, but it's still invested. It should still be invested and it's still making money. So you have many, 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 many times for your money to double. And this is what I mentioned to you about Josh Brown who I think is really cool. Uh one of the things he mentions in his video that he does is something about Warren Buffett. And pretty much everybody knows Warren Buffett. They know he's rich and he's got a, a and by rich he's like super. Rich. He's always in the top 5 of the wealthiest people in the world when they do those surveys and stuff. And Buffett's worth many, many, many billions of dollars, like somewhere around 80 billion I think. And the cool thing about Buffett though is all his wealth came after, now Josh's video says 60, I've read 50 before, but for sure all of Buffett's walls came after he turned 50 because of all the compounding. So, and it compounds faster on the back end, which means it compounds, the longer you have it invested and the older you get, the faster, the more compounds because you have more money in there to compound. So, that's really cool. So, if you think about it, um, Warren Buffett, yeah, he's worth an awful lot of money, but a lot of his money came in the last 30 years, 40, 30, 40 years. So just keep that in mind. Not all of them started out with that kind of money, right? And we can do it too. So the rule of 72, when you're going to invest your money in something. So if you go to a person like me and you get advice and you they say, you know what, we're going to put your money in, invest it in this particular area. And the rate of return has, has historically been 10%. <clears throat> History is not a guarantee of the future, by the way. However, if for easy math we say that it's going to be 10%, then we know that every 7.2 years we should expect our money to double by keeping it in there, by reinvesting the dividend, by having the interest grow and grow and grow and grow on interest. So that is the Rule 72. There's a lot of math. You can look it up. There's a lot of cool formulas, but that's the gist of it. That's, it. that's how easy it can be. So that's what we can teach our kids, right? Now, let's talk about Other ways we can teach our kids about money. I mentioned when they're little, they can understand that they want a new pair of shoes or that they want something in the store or they want to, you know, go to a restaurant for dinner. We can explain that to them pretty easily because we can say, oh, you know, this is how we pay for this stuff. But when they're getting a little bit older, like when they're 16, 17, something like that, and they show you've been talking to them and then you start to say to them, you know what, you understand what Walt Disney World is. You understand what – they sure understand what Apple is, that's for sure. They understand what Samsung is. They understand what a lot of the different technology companies are because they're all into technology and they're all having that kind of stuff. They understand probably what Walmart is. Then you can start talking to them. This is what I like about Jim Cramer, another uh, CNBC contributor, but he was a hedge fund manager and he's really, really funny and super smart. And When he talks about stocks and you read his book – you start with your kids investing about stuff that they know. And what they know is Disney World. What they know is Nike. What they know is Apple. You know, what they know is Google. Um, so if you're going to start teaching them with stocks, start using stuff that they, they know and they like. They can learn. They can research. Don't give them all of them. Give them one or two. And they can start to learn about it and how, if you invested in that particular company, if you invested in Amazon, And when Jeff Bezos started it, how much would that money have grown? If you had put a $1,000 in it, what would it be worth now? And if you do the math, you'll scare yourself because it'd be a lot. And those are things that when they start to invest, they can understand what that money is. So now it's exciting because guess what? If you invest in something, either individual stocks or a fund that owns Amazon, you now own a piece of Amazon. Like you're an owner a part owner, like you're not going to walk into an Amazon store as the owner and start bossing people around, but you are an, an owner in the company and you are invested in that company. So you get invited to the annual general meetings and you can vote on shareholders and directors and stuff like that, which is kind of cool. And that's how people can, that's how your kids can learn about it. They can, you know, have 10 stocks and Apple (laughs) and they now don't, they, they just own an iPhone that they are texting on all the time, but they also own a piece of the company when they own the stock. Now, they're not going to walk in there and tell Tim Cook, the CEO, where to change the bathroom color to or or where to put the desks or <laughs> what, what they should be scheduling people for. <laughs> but uh, they certainly are able to say, Hey, I own a little bit of Apple. How cool is that? And this is what the company trades at. And this is who the CEO is. And when they make money, guess what happens? My stock goes up and I make money and I get dividends, which means they pay me to own it. How cool is that? This is another way to get kids excited about investing. I remember when I was 16 and, and I always thought stocks were really cool to follow. And that's what I did, but I didn't have those kinds of stocks. And it was, it was back, you know, quite a few years ago. So you actually had to look up the stocks in the paper every day. We didn't have the internet to look them up on, but now you can have live feed where you can see what it is. Like every second of the day when it's open for trade, you can see what your stocks are doing or you can get alerts. There's apps that you can have on your phone. Like it's just awesome. And kids think it's fun because they can see activity and and it's, it's not boring because it doesn't sit and not do anything. Stocks move and do stuff every day. There's, there's news about the companies that make stocks go up and down, and, and they could focus on just their Apple, and then they learn about the technology. So that's one that's a great way to get your kids interested and involved in their money. And then we did that. So I'll share with you, uh, I mentioned I have four kids, and what we did, Now don't get excited. I know you're going to all think, wow, she's a real party. But a few years ago... We sat down and we gave them, we set up life insurance with an investment portion to it. And we explained how this is something that is going to be down the road. This is for their future. They're going to, they're going to have life insurance, so they're now protected when they get married and have a family of their own. If they do, great. If they don't, well, they're still going to have money and be protected for whatever they leave behind. If they want to leave it to charity, doesn't matter. So they're now covered. Doesn't matter. I want them to be healthy and wealthy and great and wonderful, but if something ever happens where uh, they got sick, or they got diagnosed with something something very livable like diabetes, a lot of people have it, but it's going to affect the rating on whether or not you get insurance or how much insurance you get for life insurance. Now they're set; they're pre they're covered. Doesn't matter what happens; they, they can't lose their life insurance. They've also got this other cool section that goes with the life insurance that they can invest their money, and they can see their money grow because it stays invested. and And I've had the oldest; she's th- she asked me, you know, how's it doing, and uh what's it look like and I've printed off statements for the kids and I'm behind by the way I need to print them off the current one but I've printed off their statements so that they can see hey this is what your money's growing at and this is what we project it to be by the time you're 65 so when you're 65 you're going to have this pot of money that you can take out and we've set it up very tax efficiently so that they'll have access to it and that we have now started retirement planning And they all haven't started the workforce yet. There's still some in school. There's only a couple of them that are in the workforce. So we're starting about the retirement before they've even started work. So now they can go in and they can see that, A, this is how it works and it's fun. So now they're excited about doing it. And one day they're going to have it to do themselves. So they'll take it over. And, B, they now are in a position where where when we say, go and do what you love, get the job that you love, and you don't have the stress of knowing that you don't have to, you know, you're not going to qualify for life insurance or you have to pay for or whatever the case is. They can go out and do what they love, take the job that they, that they love, that they want to try. And they have the ability to try different things because they now know they have all this time on their side for the compounding. So that's one of the things we did with the, with the, with our kids a few years ago. Um, and just, uh, on a side note on how much fun I really am at home. A couple of years after that, we got them critical illness because I just did the math and the stats, you know, six of us in the house, there's a high probability one of us will get something. So we have got our income protected and their future income protected because now they're set up and qualified. So those are little things you can do. That's all part of a plan and keep the kids involved in it. So we didn't have to go through all the nitty gritty details. They didn't have to go through all the quotes and sit down and and understand what each company does. But what we did was we gave them the piece of paper that said, hey, this is what you got and this is what you're covered for, and this is how you're covered. And they get it. They understand it. They easily understand it. And I'm either right or delusional, but I'm going to say they love it. <laughs> so I think they must love it. It's How would you not? It's super cool. So those are some of the, the, the things you can do to get your kids involved. Talk to them about stuff they like, that they know, that they understand. They don't have to know all the details about everything all at once. Just ease them into it. There's a lot of years of conversation that could be had with the kids. So we're going to take our last break of the night uh, in a minute. And when we come back, I want to just share with you five tips to help you get started talking to kids about money. And these come from Morgan Stanley. And for any of you out there, either in the US, you probably know Morgan Stanley the best because that's where it is, uh headquartered on Wall Street. Uh Morgan Stanley is a huge investment bank, that, uh, is headquartered out of the United States. And they have a, they have released their five tips on helping you get started talking to your kids about money. So we'll take our final, our third and final break of the night. And when we come back, we'll wrap up with that and some final thoughts. You are listening to Financially Speaking with myself, Kathy Cook Noble, on the Inspired Choices Network. And when we return, we're going to continue to talk about money and youth and getting them involved and excited and when to start, and all that great conversation that we've been having. So stay tuned, and we will be right back.
0: Too many of us get caught up in the unreal lives of reality television and complete to acquire stuff, which is setting us up to accumulate lots of debt. We're scared, confused, and don't know who to talk to. By tuning into Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook-Noble, in the dust this is financially speaking radio show with financial advisor and educator kathy cook noble to participate in the program call in the u.s 815-880-8255 canada 613-800-8736 or skype us at inspired choices network You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email by sending to kathy at bookkeepplus.ca. Now back to the program.
1: Welcome back, everyone. I am Kathy Cook-Noble, and you are listening to Financially Speaking on the Inspired Choices Network. Today's topic is all about the youth and investing and the magic of compounding. We talked about the Rule of 72. We talked about how to get them started talking about uh, investing and, and and just saving money and really money generally, just having a conversation about money. So before we went to break, I said I'm going to share with you the five tips that Morgan Stanley has come up with on talking to your kids about money. So one first one is kids know more than you think. Isn't that true? Kids, all you think about all the different conversations you've had with kids about uh, any other topic. They certainly know more than you think and a lot of times they know more than us. So kids know more than you think. And there's a good chance that um they already know something about money. So whether or not it's the house you live in, the car you drive, the vacation you take, the kids your kids, your children are surrounded by clues to family wealth, um, by lack of it, by abundance of it. They they're already uh uh in tune to it. They might not understand all the details, but they're already in tune. They know stuff. So um They already know more than you think. And as a parent, you should think about creating an appropriate context for talking to them and answering important questions. So some of these important questions are, what do we want to accomplish with our financial capital? What do we want to do with our money? That's what that means. What are the responsibilities, obligations, and challenges that come with wealth? And we talked about that. What's their mindset? That's what we want to talk to them about. What does money mean to us as a family and why do we value it? Are we planning on setting up a foundation to take care of charities? Are there certain projects we'd like to fund or what does it mean to us as a family? How do we accumulate our money and what did we learn from the effort of accumulating it? So where did the money come from? Did we inherit it? Did we win the lottery? Did we work for it? So, and what does that mean? How did, what did we learn from that? If we were, if we earned it through a lottery winning or we learned it earned it through an inheritance, how does that affect our mindset? versus if we went out and worked hard and earned it ourselves? And would, would we be different if we lost our money? What would our family look like if we didn't have it? So that's some of the important questions to talk to your kids about. The second point is think before you talk. So before you talk to your kids about money, you may need to examine your own values about wealth. So think before you talk. What do you think about money? What's your mindset with money? What What did your parents have? How have you been impacted by it? So that's one that's the second point think before you talk. And if the third point is a question is worth a thousand answers. This one's cool. So as a general rule, the conversations are more effective than lectures, right? So we're not going in to lecture the kids. We're not going in to tell them what to do, how to do it, where to do it, when to do it, all that stuff. We're going to have a conversation. So the fo- focal point of the conversation is our family should be should be our family values and what We as a family hope to accomplish with what we have or what we don't have, how much we have or don't have, what we need or don't need. And you want to ask your kids and encourage them by asking the questions and letting them come up with some answers of their own and you come up with answers with them. And don't be afraid to ask questions like, are we rich? Do you think we're rich? What do you consider rich? What's your definition of rich? Because that's a very interesting question. It means an awful lot to a lot of different people. And I can tell you, two people will not always have, and even in the same families, will have different answers for what they consider rich. And then number four, walk the talk. You truly want to get your message across. You have to live, not just speak your values. So if your kids want to really know about budgeting, saving, making good choices for the future, making responsible money decisions, having a good relationship with money, then walk the talk. Then you've got to show them what it is that you guys have talked about and what you agree with as a family. And then number five is the easiest and the most fun is it ain't over till it's over and it's never over. So it ain't over till it, till it's over and it never is. Talking with your kids about money is an ongoing conversation. It's an ongoing dialogue. It's not a one-time conversation and then that's it. Okay, you now understand you shouldn't do drugs or you shouldn't get in cars with strangers or you shouldn't take candy from strangers. That's not it. It's The conversation is going on and it it grows, it changes, it progresses as they get older, as they start to question and develop values that are either in alignment with the, your families or not, or they have questions about them. Keep the conversation going, and your children can continually use your financial capital to live out your family's goals and your family's values. So don't ever think, just because we've had that conversation, that, oh, now they're good, they know what they're talking about, they're never going to have a problem again. And when they if they ever run into trouble, you can't you can't be... All mad and yelling at and saying, why would you do this? We told you you had to save money. You had to put 10% aside or pay yourself first. All the terminology that we've all heard, you know, in the past through different venues or different people on TV or, or different books we've read. We're there. We're having a conversation. We're opening up the conversation and that's what we want to do with the kids. So kids know more than you think. Think before you talk. A question is worth a thousand answers. Walk your walk and it ain't over till it's over and it never is. So those are the, Great, I think they're great points, the five points that Morgan Stanley came up with uh, to start conversations with your kids about money. And it absolutely is an ongoing conversation. Encourage your kids to ask questions. Don't make them feel bad or dumb or irresponsible because they asked you a question about how much money, you know, how can I buy a yacht or a Bugatti or I want to buy this car that's worth a million dollars. Don't tell them, though that's ridiculous. You can't do that. Nothing's ridiculous and nothing's out of the realm of possibility. There's a lot of money out there. People own Bugatti's, people own yachts, people own six houses, people travel six months out of the year to exotic locations and fly first class or fly by private plane. Some people own planes. So nothing is, is out of their possibility and, and when they're at that point and they're thinking about that, don't discourage them from having a healthy relationship with money. Don't encourage, don't discourage them from having, uh, questions and curiosity about money and don't Do not encourage them to be scared of it. Encourage them to realize that money is just money and money doesn't love them. Money doesn't hate them. Money has no feelings whatsoever. So if you want money, go get it. If you don't want money, don't go get it. But don't have those predetermined ideas because there's something that has affected them that they think they can't or they shouldn't or they won't. Let them make the decision. And the more money that you have, the more good you can do in the world, I firmly believe that. So I always tell people, it is your responsibility to go out and make as much money as you possibly can, either by investing it, by making great money decisions, by earning it, by being responsible with it. You, You are responsible to go out and make as much as you possibly can so that you can do as much good as you can possibly do while you're here. So I hope that helped you get your conversation started with your youth. As always, you're welcome to email Or visit us on the Inspired Choices Network and join us in the chat room on our shows. Listen to our podcast. Listen to the other shows because a lot of them work together with mindset, not just with money. Thank you all for joining. See you next week.
0: Thank you for choosing to listen to Financially Speaking Radio Show. Kathy Cook Noble will return next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspireChoicesNetwork.com. We hope you'll join us. Until then, have the best week of your life by making the choices that bring you all that you desire.